Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. My pleasure this morning to introduce Heather. Um, I think we're so lucky as a church that we have so many um, amazing people that can speak into our lives, real people living out real Christian lives. And uh, I'll hand over to Heather before we, shall we just pray for her, please? Father, we just ask that you will um, anoint the words that Heather has prepared with you for us this morning. May our hearts hear the message that you have for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Well, I want to tell you that at school, I was absolutely hopeless at math, especially geometry. I can, you know, it was like, how can you learn all those theorems and know which problem you were supposed to apply them to? And I remember my teacher writing on a test paper, Pythagoras theorem is not a cure for all ills, because it was the only one I knew, so I applied it to every problem. But I came across this, which I thought made it much more fun. There were three Indian squaws. One slept on a deer skin, one slept on an elk skin, and the third slept on a hippopotamus skin. All three became pregnant. The first two each had a baby boy. The one who slept on the hippopotamus skin had twin boys. And this just goes to prove that the squaw of the hippopotamus is equal to the sons of the squaws of the other two hides. If you need a bit of a help with that one, just check out with Seth or Peter Bennett and they'll keep you right. But this morning we're talking about a boy being born, but not to an Indian squaw, but to a Jewish peasant girl. And this is the first of our Advent talks leading up to our carol service on the 21st. And I want to talk this morning about two people from the Bible, two completely different people, but with some similarities. Two people who made room for Jesus and took a risk of faith. Mary, from the beginning of Jesus' life on earth, a familiar figure from the Christmas story, and another character who is more usually associated with Easter. Mary, we know, was from the town of Nazareth, and it was a place known for sin. It was situated four miles from the Roman garrison at Sepphoris, and when the Roman soldiers got their pay, and a few days off, they headed for Nazareth. It sounded to me like it was probably a bit like the big market on a Friday or Saturday evening. But Mary wasn't a part of that scene. She was a very ordinary young girl, just going about her everyday business when God sent an angel. I'm just going to read you that story from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angels went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. 
How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to you as you have said. And we note here that Mary only hesitated with a question about how this could happen, and that she said yes straight away. She didn't have much to offer to God, but she was willing to be obedient, and she made room for Jesus in her womb. Now, I know that we're often talking about the importance of spending time with God, and I've got no doubt that you're thinking, Heather, you've got no idea how busy my life is. You don't realize how difficult it is to keep everything juggled and keep all the balls in the air, especially at Christmas time with all the extra work. But I'd like to suggest that it is possible to keep Jesus at the forefront of our minds throughout the day. You know, if you get a coffee break, or you're driving to work, or you're walking to the shops, just to say, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you that you see me. Thank you that you are with me. Thank you that I am loved. And if things are a bit difficult, and it's a bit of a struggle to get through the day, then a prayer of surrender. Lord, I can't do this. Help me. Now, I know it's not that easy because hours go by and then I think, oh, I haven't thought about the Lord for hours. And then I think, oh, you know, I'm trying to practice the presence of God. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, just giving thanks and praise, like the monk, Brother Lawrence, who worked in the monastery kitchen and practiced the presence of God, whether he was peeling potatoes or washing dishes. But it does require practice to keep reminding yourself But the practicing is worthwhile because none of us know what a day might bring. I was just saying to Paul Oliver a few weeks ago how sometimes the words of a song can affect us. I was walking the dog one morning quite recently and it was an absolutely beautiful morning. One of those mornings where the sky is a lovely pink and I was singing that song that we sing. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. And I hesitated a bit because I thought, actually, it's quite a challenge to sing that, isn't it? Let me be singing when the evening comes because we don't know whether we're going to feel like singing at the close of the day. Anything could happen. Now, my day continued well until the evening when sure enough, I got an upsetting phone call. And I went to bed and I was sniveling into my pillow. And I'm saying, I just felt that God had warned me in advance that this was going to happen. Because I'm sniveling into the pillow and say, I'm still singing. I am still singing. And, you know, within a few days, that upsetting situation was resolved. But when we look at the Bible... And and the people in our world today, so many people didn't want to make room for Jesus. The innkeeper in Bethlehem springs to mind. And I think the saddest verse in the Bible is in John chapter 1 verse 11, which says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The world, the people he had created, didn't want to know him. 
refused to make room for him. But Mary made the decision to be fully submissive to the call of God on her life, even if it meant suffering ridicule and contempt. And it was a risk of faith. Because you might think, well, how was it a risk if it was faith? God had said that she would have a son. He didn't force this choice on Mary. She willingly embraced what God had for her. But the decision was made with no assurance that anybody apart from God would ever know how that baby had been conceived. I mean, consider the possible consequences. How could she explain this? How could she explain this pregnancy to her family? What if Joseph refused to marry her? What would the townspeople think? There was no guarantees. But Mary made room for Jesus and took the risk to go ahead with what God asked her to do. Now, at the end of Jesus' life, there was another man who made room for Jesus and, like Mary, took a risk of faith. And I'm going to read from Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, a man of influence and social standing, a complete contrast to Mary. But Joseph made room in his tomb. And the Bible tells us that it was a new tomb. Most Jews at the time of Jesus were buried in caves, sometimes underneath the houses where they lived. The bodies weren't put in coffins or burned to ashes, but they were wrapped in cloth along with perfume and spices. And then the body would be put on a shelf in or a ledge inside the cave. And when all of the flesh had decomposed, friends or relatives would collect the bones and put them in a bone box called an ossuary. And then they would make room for the next body. And grave robberies were very common, which was why a large stone was placed over the entrance to the tomb. Now, after the crucifixion, Jesus had to be buried before the end of Friday because of the Sabbath. But there was no place to put his body until Joseph stepped up and made room for Jesus in his new tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, like Mary, took a risk of faith. For him to make his allegiance to Jesus public not only cost him his place on the ruling council, but would have jeopardized his economic, social, and family welfare as well. God moved in the heart of Joseph at exactly the right time and provided what was needed. Even in the most difficult of times, God was working out his plan. When Colin and I decided to go to Africa for a year with mercy ships, we needed to rent our house because you can't get insurance on a house if you leave it empty for more than a certain number of weeks. And also we needed to rent the house because we needed the money to pay the bills. Now, all of our personal possessions were either locked in the loft or stored at Seth and Helen's, and we couldn't find anybody to rent the house. We weren't asking a lot of rent, just enough to cover the bills, but we had several people come and we couldn't rent it. And it came to the point where we had to go and we had to take the risk of faith. We were certain that God had called us to go to Africa, but how would it all work out with us being so far away? When we got settled in Ghana, and managed to get onto the internet. 
one of the first emails that we opened was from a young couple from a, a nearby church who were getting married and wanted to rent for a year before deciding where to buy. They stayed in our house for the year, paid their rent, and moved out just before we got back. So although it was a risk to go, God provided everything that was needed. And I thought about the widow of Zarephath in the Old Testament. She only had enough bread and oil in a time of famine for one last meal for her and her son, and then she was just going to, that would be the end, she would just lie down and die. And Elijah came and asked her to share the meal with him. Now, that was a big risk. I mean, it was the last meal they had. It was all they had. And yet she was willing to share it with Elijah. And then Elijah prayed and the oil and the flour never ran out. So that lady survived. God had it all in hand. But there are times when he asks, will you trust me? Will you take the risk? Even though there are no guarantees that it will work out the way you want it to. Now, Kareen took a big risk in moving the fashion show to the Civic Centre. And I'm going to be honest and say, I panicked. Because I thought, eh, gosh, there's not enough of us. You know, we're not big enough. There won't be enough people. How are we going to move all that stuff from the chapel to the Civic Centre? And yet, Kareen said God told her to be brave. And she was. And it, honestly, it went so smoothly. And there must have been 20 rails of clothes that were moved from the chapel to the Civic Centre in an hour. It was just absolutely incredible. And at the end of the day, God's plan is to make each one of us more like the Lord Jesus. Romans 8.28 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. So we've looked at two very different people today, Mary and Joseph, whose backgrounds, whose social status, whose financial background were very different. Both of them had a lot to lose by taking that risk. And I believe that there are those people here today, and God is speaking to you, and he's asking you to take that step, to open up and make room for Jesus, to take that risk of faith. Perhaps it's for the first time. To be like Mary and Joseph of Arimathea, and to say yes, and to make room for Jesus. And I'm going to urge you not to hesitate, because otherwise you're going to miss out on the very best of life. Thank you. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.